Disney Roulette is a movie review podcast in which we discuss, in detail, the movies available on Disney's streaming service. In internet speak, that means, spoiler alert, you've been warned. Also, while Disney films are safe for the whole family to enjoy together, this show is not. Listener discretion is advised. All that said, let's do this shit. And welcome to Disney Plus Roulette, a magical movie review podcast. As always, I'm your host, Kate. I'm here with my co-host and husband, Bob. And today, we have our first ever guest. Seuss, introduce yourself. Hey, everybody. Uh, my name is Susan. I have been best friends with Caitlin since the fourth grade. Um, and I'm a huge fan of Bob, so it worked out really well. So here we are. <laughs> I am really, really excited about today's show, so let's quick jump into the news. Alright, so the big news this week, of course, is that Mulan is going to be released on Disney+. Plus. It is going to come out on September 4th, and you're going to have to pay an extra $30 to view it. Which, okay, like, I I get that. I'm fine with that. They want to get the same-ish kind of money they would get if it were released in theaters. My main issue is that you don't own the movie when you pay $30. You're basically unlocking it within the Disney Plus app. How do you guys feel about this? Well, I definitely think it's a value for families because even even if you were to think of taking a family of four to the movies just in tickets you'd be spending $30 not to mention food and everything else I also note that date looks familiar but we'll get on to that in a second yeah I think I'm okay with it if it later becomes unlocked for purchase or standard streaming because I think you're right they're trying to recoup some of this lost sales for theaters and you know we would probably go see it in the theater and then go buy it on DVD later anyway. So I think I'm okay with it as long as it's uh, eventually available for standard streaming and that kind of thing. That's a good point. I didn't think about the fact that we often do end up paying twice. You pay, I mean, the theater Bob and I usually go to is not cheap. We pay $30 just to walk in the door for the two of us. So I'm cool with that. I didn't think about the fact that I would then probably also spend $30 for a Blu-ray. So when you put it that way, I I feel a little bit better about it. But again, I want to be able to download it and own the movie. I don't want to have to have access to Disney Plus to watch it. Because right now, even though I'm paying for Disney Plus, it won't let me bring up my account on my dad's TV so we can watch it together, even the two of us there. And I feel like if I'm giving you 30 bucks, I should be able to watch it wherever I want to. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is Disney Plus moving so that you can download as well, like a Netflix and a Hulu? They do that. That's already a thing. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there's that as far as portability. So if you don't pay the $30, is that just a now thing? Is that like a limited time? Maybe next year they'll release it to all Disney Plus or I don't don't know. 
I don't know the answer to that. That's a good question. All I know is it's available September 4th, and if you pay $30, you can stream it. Hmm. Yeah, regarding what you said about not being able to watch it wherever you want, I also find that annoying because it seems like the point of a streaming service is its versatility. And you are, you're paying for access to it, and I think that should be across the board. I like the way that Amazon Prime does rentals where it just gives you a certain period of time. So, you know, 24 hours of access since you start the movie and you can watch it anywhere you are logged in with your account. I think that is a nice compromise for those things that they could even shorten that window if they really wanted to. But I, yeah, I I think that's also kind of unfair. Yeah, it's like when you download songs off of iTunes and they limit the number of things you can play it on. Like, okay, Apple, well, you make your products to fall apart after two years. So I'm going to need to be able to play my music on more than three devices. (laughs) I paid for it. Why can't I just have it? That drives me nuts. Yeah. So what is the Disney Plus policy? Because I know I have it on my laptop. We have it on the Xbox. So is it a number of things? Or when you go to your dad's, it's like, nope. When I went to my dad's place and tried to sign in on his Xbox with my credentials... It was like, nope, you trying to spread your password around, you can't do that. And I wasn't. Like, I was there. Right. <laughs> Which, you like, wanna... I get that they have no way of being able to differentiate between those situations, but still, it's frustrating. Actually, I believe that there is a way. What is it? Sign into your Xbox account on his Xbox. Oh, interesting. And then you would probably be able to do it. They also, Netflix does this now, too, where you can only sign into the same account on a certain number of devices. Disney Plus's device number might just be really low as well. Or maybe it tracks the, like, originating IP address. So, you know, if all of your devices are starting in the same house, it's likely that you're all the same person. Yeah, I think the error I got was involving the IP address. Interesting. Yeah. Anywho, I personally, I think I'm going to pay the $30 We're going to pay the $30, Bob. I'm informing you of this. (laughs) Oh, okay. I really want to see it. And I just really miss seeing movies. That's my number one luxury that I've lost from COVID that I'm sad about is I just really miss movies coming out and getting to go see them. So I'd be down for like making an event of it, ordering in and turning on lights off and trying to make it feel as much like a movie theater as possible and kind of having like a movie night at home. I'm down. Yeah, I can't it wait. Sounds to see like it. I don't have a choice though. <laughs> That's right, you don't. Yeah, it looks so good. I feel generally annoyed with this trend of let's remake every single Disney movie, but I think if you're gonna make a live action version of a Disney movie, Mulan is a good one to do. Yeah. I'm pretty stoked. It is kind of funny I'm thinking about this thirty dollar fee because I also want to see the movie, but I'm single. Like I and I don't wanna spend thirty dollars to essentially rent a movie. So it almost encourages me to invite, you know, 15 people over to all watch it at once. That's true. Well, it's it's just like people would do for like WWE events that one person pays the pay-per-view fee on their cable bill and then everybody kind of chips in as they come over or bring some food or, bring, you know, chip in some way. Right. Yeah. Like they might actually be screwing themselves over a little bit this way. Interesting. Who knows? Are they? That's why they get paid the big bucks, right? That's right. <laughs> So I think the big question right now is, is this what's going to happen with New Mutants? Because they are still saying it's coming out on August 28th in theaters. I think that's very hopeful. Uh, Yeah. I mean, there are theaters in the world that are open. And the theaters that are open, Mulan is going to be released in theaters. So this is very much... I mean, it's also happening in Europe and stuff. But in the US, this is our way of seeing Mulan because we do not have theaters open. 
So it's possible that if they think that New Mutants is going to do really well overseas, maybe they are just doing a theatrical release overseas. I definitely know that New Mutants has some contractual things that they have to be released in theaters, and that's why some of that got walked back. I do notice that September 4th for Mulan was the anticipated date for New Mutants, which is what I was alluding to before. Oh, interesting. And then on top of that, there is also the fact that AMC is opening two theaters at the end of August. Really? So there will be at least some theaters in Virginia open to facilitate a New Mutants opening, but they have to reduce seating, they have to go through all the social distancing, they're they're still going to lose money. Oh, absolutely. And even if they're open, doesn't mean that people are necessarily ready to go. In a city in Virginia, I think your odds are higher. But man, some of the states that have been hit even harder, you know, doesn't necessarily matter if the business is open if the people aren't going. Right. I'm going to risk a movie to possibly infect my entire family. Yeah, no, you're not. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So Disney keeps denying that this is what they're going to do with Black Widow in like releasing it on Disney+. Plus. But I think depending on how well Mulan does, they might be full of shit. I think if Mulan makes a crap ton of money, they would 100% release Black Widow on Disney+. Plus. They would have to push it back really far to make a lot of money in theaters. Because like we were just saying, theaters are not going to make money right now, even if they are open. Oh, yeah. Even the people who thought COVID was going to be the worst underestimated how long it would take to pass. And so at this point, saying, well, we should have a vaccine by January or June or 2022. It's all guessing at this point. And, you know, at some point you just have to cut your losses and because otherwise you just stop making content. Right. You're just sitting on top of millions of dollars of created material. Right, and like it's filmed and ready to go. We're just waiting for them to release it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, from what I hear, and again, these are just, you know, rumors, Black Widow being a prequel, they have a little more wiggle room on it because it's not necessarily directly affecting what's happening next in the MCU, but there's always the, well, what about the references? What about the after trailers? What about the, you know, the extra scenes that may push things on? So... I don't know, with the Disney Plus shows coming and trying to push that on, that they're saying that they're chugging right right along, that we still might get a series by the end of the year. I keep hearing back and forth. We've reported back and forth. We've only had three shows and we've had to, you know, change everything because everything is so uncertain at this point. Mm, Yeah. Yeah, I didn't think about the fact that it's a prequel and that that might make it a little bit easier to release some stuff. All right, let's get to High School Musical 2, shall we? So let's start off with our drink. This one was better than last week, you guys. (laughs) I mean, not that that bar was particularly high. This drink is called the Summer Wildcat because the Wildcats are on their (laughs) summer vacation. I love it. Uh, It is a shooter made up of grenadine, Captain Morgan, Loconut Rum, and Kraken. And they are layered on top of each other to make the colors that you see in the Wildcat logo. Their school colors are red, white, and gold, but their logo is actually red, white, and black. So you have the red grenadine, the white coconut rum, and the very, very, very dark brown kraken. It actually layered properly and tasted okay, so I'm pretty proud of it. I'm happy with that one. I was actually very happy with it. Go Wildcats. I think it sounds incredible. I, unfortunately, because of COVID, uh, was not there, but it looked amazing. <laughs> I'll have to make one tonight. I can definitely make you one mm. when, whenever the world is done. Yes. Ending. 
All right, so some quick trivia before we get into our thoughts on the movie. It came out in 2007, which gave Susan and I a heart attack that this movie is 13 years old. <laughs> Made me feel very, very old. And it was, of course, a Disney Channel original movie. The scene bet on it took six days to film just the one dance scene. <laughs> I'm dead. <laughs> six days. <laughs> Uh, unlike the first movie, Zac Efron did all of his own singing in this one. In the first High School Musical, another gentleman named Drew Seeley did partial dubbing for Zac Efron. And I think one of the reasons why I struggle with the first soundtrack is because their voices are so different. And I can't tell who has the extra nasally voice. One of them does. If it's Zac Efron, he's so young, it's hard to tell if it is his voice when he was younger, but I'm not super into the male vocals in the first movie. Thankfully, by this movie, Zac Efron's vocal chops had kicked in, and he does all of his own singing, and he does a great job. Also, at the end of the movie, during the all-for-one finale scene, Miley Cyrus can be briefly seen dancing in Amongst All the Kids. And last but not least... This movie drew in a rating of 17.6 million viewers on its premiere night, making it not only the wow. highest yeah, the highest Disney Channel original movie in history, so it beat out Luck of the Irish, Bob, because when that came out, that was number one. That's surprising. Oh, darn. <laughs> <laughs> but it was also the highest in cable history, even beating out NFL Monday Night Football. What? It was a big wow. deal when this movie came out. I had no idea. So let's get into the movie. It starts out and all the kids are in school and the clock is counting down until summertime. All I really have of note from this first scene is that Zac Efron, whatever filter they're using to like really make like all of the blues and the oranges and the greens really, really pop. And Zac mm. Efron has like Elijah Wood eyes. <laughs> like When he yeah. first shows up, I was like, whoa. Absolutely. Oh, the whole movie. And they, like, make a point of um, pointing it out a couple times, like, when Sharpay later holds the tie up to him. Like, she comments on his complexion, but it just is the same shade as his yeah. eyes. <laughs> yeah, the thing I noticed about this scene and a couple other scenes was how awkward they were. I had forgotten how just kind of strange some of the progressions are. Like, all of this discussion from the theater teacher that's kind of rambling on, and even the way that the song starts is all the kids just whispering Summer and, and Troy looking incredibly confused. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what narrative are they trying to build in this moment? What are they trying to convey? And I, I couldn't get a handle on it. And then the song starts and it's great. <laughs> yeah, when they first start chanting Summer, it sounds almost like some creepy ritual <laughs> summer, summer. Yeah. the one thing i noticed at the beginning of this movie is um i almost called it a film and i can't bring myself to do that oh don't be like that <laughs> it's so early in the podcast yeah we're gonna need to talk about that later <laughs> i want to know how you define film if this does not qualify but anyway, go ahead. Moving I'm gonna let you finish. I did notice that this is definitely pre-skinny jeans. The guy's oh, yeah. legs were not strangled. They were almost to the point of bell-bottom. Yeah, I noticed that too. Ugh, the glory days. <laughs> they were almost pipes, but not in that first scene. And I was like, wow, people's legs can breathe. Yeah, that was my big takeaway. And the, and the colors, as you said, you know, the fashion was definitely of its time. Yeah. Shifting gears a smidge, I did want to comment, and I will comment on this more 
as the episode progresses. I'm really impressed in the strides that the choreography made in terms of using space creatively indoors. Outdoors it gets questionable, (laughs) but ensemble casts in general, but specifically ensemble casts indoors, they do some really cool things. And there are a lot of nods back to High School Musical 1 that are really fun. Like when they're doing the big ensemble inside the cafeteria before they go outside. Yeah. They're all on those layers and everything. I remember in High School Musical 1, they really tried to do that and it was fine, but their budget was so much lower and et cetera, et cetera. This was a really impressive shot and the kind of wave that they do down the hallway and the way that they fill the hallways really well. I was really impressed. That whole sequence, I was about the choreography and the way they use those spaces. And I noticed it the whole movie. I would agree with you as well. As far as this first number, there were a lot of moves. I was like, damn, that's really cool. Just some good hip hop, some good just flowing moves that really accentuate it like this this is a higher budget, as you said. You can tell that they put more effort, more time, and sweat into making this choreography better. And I think the kids also are just older and better. They have matured as performers. Yeah. and Yeah, absolutely. I remember thinking during that scene, man, Corbin Blue and Zac Efron are just on a whole nother level compared to the <laughs> previous movie. In my notes... The second line is just in all caps, Corbin Blue. (laughs) I have a note in mind that's Corbin Blue hair ruffle. (laughs) Yes. And I'm assuming that that is my Connor Kent from Smallville. No, that's Chad. Chad. Okay, my bad. No, Ryan, I think, shines more later on. He's still just kind of like Sharpay's little puppy in the first opening scene. But you can already kind of start seeing the seeds getting planted of him kind of being all done with her bullshit. Throwing some shade, yep. So right before this scene happens, or maybe it's after it, or during it, Troy gives Gabriella a necklace... It's yeah. got a little a little tea on it for Troy, which mm-hmm. they do go out of their way to tell us. <laughs> tea, as in Troy. And I just flashback so hard because I remember selling those necklaces at the Disney store. <laughs> really? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's wild. That's oh, really yeah. funny. That's actually why I started watching High School Musical was because I was working at the Disney store and wanted to know what the heck all of the buzz was about. Hmm. Always wanted to be able to answer people's questions when they had questions about different products and the movies that had come out. And I had always prided myself on my Disney knowledge, but I had kind of gotten beyond that. At this point, I was in early college, I think, when this came out. Mm -hmm. So I was a little bit out of the loop, and I had to actively seek High School Musical out to kind of educate myself on what the big deal was. Hmm. I did also notice that their friends came around the corner and stopped short and threw their arms out as if Troy was proposing. <laughs> there was like an audible gasp, like a... <laughs> it did have that vibe. I think the it first really time did. I saw it, I was like, what is happening? Oh, okay. It's a necklace. It's a necklace. Yeah, it was great. Okay. So during this scene, we also get the first interrupted kiss of the movie, which will become a rolling joke throughout the entire thing. We finish our yay, school's out for summer. Now we are headed off to a resort in Albuquerque. I told Bob, I just really wanted to see Walter White somewhere. Like, I just really (laughs) like the idea of Walter White existing at the same time in the near vicinity. Yeah, just the RV in the background with the smoke coming out the top. (laughs) So we are at this resort in Albuquerque, which, of course, Sharpay and Ryan's parents are partial owners and or on the board. 
So they just pretty much live there during the summer. And Sharpay wants to win the summer talent show like she always does, but she's determined to have Troy be a part of it. So she has pulled some strings to get Troy hired at the resort for the summer. Troy accepts the job with the understanding that the rest of the Wildcats would also get hired, which Sharpay is not thrilled about. So has anyone ever in your high school career been able to make a demand saying, yes, I'll take that job, but you have to hire the entire basketball team. Oh, hell no. You get to make demands like that? Pretty ballsy. (laughs) Yeah. And for Troy, who doesn't ever come across to me as like particularly combative or combative is not the right word, but like he's not really a take charge kind of guy. He's a leader, a natural leader, um, but it's more collaborative. And so did his dad step in and say, no, Troy has to work with the team or like, yeah, how did that happen? I don't know. Maybe it was, I guess we could say Fulton said, oh, why won't you come? And Troy said, I'm supposed to be with my team all summer. On the phone, he definitely starts to try and get what's-her-head a job, but he never mentions the rest of the team. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, they were there, and I was like, oh. Yeah, I mean, I think you have to assume that there was a follow-up call telling him when to be there and what to bring, and I kind of just let that go. Like, I, I just assumed there was another call later. Yeah. It's like when people ask each other out on dates in movies and then don't set a day or time and just walk off. You're like, wait, hold on. Exactly. You kind of have to do a lot of that with particularly Disney made-for-TV movies. Oh, but yeah. just any movie that's geared for high school, college, they're assuming that you're not going to ask too many questions. <laughs> yeah. Because if we started really pulling at the threads of this movie, we'd have a lot of problems. <laughs> oh, yeah. And that's why it's so fun is because it's goofy. I got you. I'll pull all the threads. Bob, it's good. Bob, don't you dare. <laughs> so Sharpay is very frustrated by the presence of all of the wildcats and she runs straight to her mom in her mom's yoga class to complain about it and then i think this might be my favorite non-musical scene in the entire movie yes yes i was just gonna say <laughs> Sharpay, their mom <laughs> Sharpay is so pissed and she's like ryan tell her and ryan just walks up like hi mommy and she's like hello ducky and they do yes. this like little weird kiss my finger like it's secret so handshake good kind of thing and then just do yoga together and don't care about her at all and it's so good Sharpay's mom is the supporting character that I didn't know I needed in my life I could watch a musical about her like I'd be I'd be about it (laughs) it's incredible I think my favorite part of that scene is how much she pisses Sharpay off yeah, it's interesting because Sharpay is very much her father's daughter and Ryan is his mother's son. Yeah, 100%. And it's cool because you can see why Sharpay and Ryan had made such a good kind of business partnership up until this point. Because, you know, their parents genuinely seem to make a pretty good team. Their parents are not monsters. Even her father is seems like a pretty nice guy overall. It's just interesting to see that reflected. I thought that was kind of cool. Oh, that's why they are, you know. And I appreciate the fact that they aren't monsters because normally characters yes. like Sharpay yeah. come from parents like that. They're perfectly nice people. They're just very, very privileged people who have obviously... I mean, her dad's a little smarmy. Well, sure. He does roll off a little bit of slime, just to me. I don't know. 
Yeah, I think I would agree with you. I just mean that he is not the villain of the story. No, and like he's got a schmoozy businessman vibe, but all of the schmoozing he's doing is for good reason. He's just trying to help this kid get a scholarship. Yeah, and protect his baby girl. And I think that his schmooziness is a little bit of entitlement and like self-centeredness towards his family. And that makes sense given who Sharpay has become. She's very self-centered. I do think he kind of wants to set Sharpay in Troy up and that's not great but it's the most benign kind of selfishness does that make sense yeah I get you not great but not awful yeah I also found it weird that at no point did anyone be like oh are you two together but he's willing to get him a scholarship it had a little weirdness there for me there too well it's what his his beloved daughter wanted sweetie there's very much a bribery element here oh yeah it is about bribery and Sharpay is terrifying in her ability to manipulate. I think what I do like about this movie and all the high school musicals though, is even though it's a little forced sometimes, they work very hard to always bring Sharpay back around. They really do. They really do. And I think that that covers over a multitude of sins. Yeah, even when it seems forced, they wanna make it clear that people are complex and that Sharpay isn't evil. She just has some serious issues um she definitely does come around but i thought like when she truly turned back towards the end it was a little bit of a whiplash for me she went from like five seconds of being pissed off and ready to rage volcano down on this thing and then it was like oh well i'm gonna sing and dance yeah that's true that's true I mean, it was a quick turnaround, but also she's always had backup, even if it was just Ryan and she did not have anybody. So maybe that was a little bit of a rude awakening. Like, oh, maybe I did step out of line because I don't even have Ryan anymore. Oh man, we still got a lot of movie to go. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. When you invited me on, I was like, oh, I hope they don't want to be brief. It's okay. I don't particularly want to be brief. No. So all of the kids, except for Ryan and Sharpay, are now working at the resort. They have a fun little dance scene called Work This Out. It's like a little mini stomp kind of thing. There's a lot of banging on pans and dusting with brooms and stuff like that. Yeah. It's fun. My favorite thing about it is the footwork. I was going to agree with you. This and the first number, I think, are my favorite as far as choreography. There's a little move that Zac Efron kind of starts the song off with. Mm -hmm. And him and Chad, something about the way that they moved together, they had a bond. There was friendship in it. And when they finally did start grooving together, it actually brought that team aspect to it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I love the visual storytelling they do. How one or two characters add at a time as he persuades them and encourages them into joining. Yeah, it's very cool. After the scene, Troy and Gabriella try to steal a little moment out on the golf course. But then we get interrupted kiss number two as the sprinklers come on and shower them. Oh, Kate, you can probably answer this. Is there a scene in High School Musical 1 where they dance in the rain? Because when the sprinklers go on, he says, can I have this dance? And we know that in High School Musical 3, there's a whole sequence called, can I have this dance where they're dancing in the rain? And I wasn't sure if it was, if it happened in the first movie, because that would be a lovely little through line. It really would. I don't think they do. Maybe 3 is echoing 2 in that way. Yeah. I heard him say that and I thought, oh, what a wonderful little nod. Yeah, I didn't catch that. That was a good catch. So then we go to, turns out, Kelsey, who is one of my favorite characters. My girl! Yeah, Bob has a big crush on Kelsey. (laughs) 
which is okay because she's older than I am. So she has written a song for Troy and Gabriella called You're the Music in Me, and Troy and Gabby sing it, and it's probably one of my favorite songs from the high school collection. Oh, yeah. And I really appreciate that Vanessa actually gets to sing in her range. Yes. Because Homegirl is kind of an alto, and she is singing very high historically throughout the series. But I think once she got a little bit older and her voice developed more, they started shifting her key down a little bit lower. Mm -hmm. And you start seeing it in this movie. But this song specifically, I was like, oh, you're singing notes I could hit. I'm happy for you. Uh, Speaking of range, and I know we kind of missed it already with Fabulous um, story-wise, I was impressed that names, I'm horrible with names, my Connor Kent from Smallville. Ryan. Ryan was doing the high notes compared to Sharpay all during Fabulous. Yes, he was. (laughs) Yeah, I I completely forgot that we skipped Fabulous. I I also loved that sequence. That song is a song that I want to hate, but absolutely adore. (laughs) Same. I always want to skip it when it comes up on my iPod, and then I find my hands not moving to the button. (laughs) Yeah. So I want to bring back the fact that when we were talking about the many adventures of Winnie the Pooh, or whatever the movie we did first was, we were like, wow, the scenes flowed right into the musical, and we didn't even like really feel it being keyed up, whereas fabulous. <laughs> you could have just had a straight piano riff from Broadway come up and be like, here is Sharpay. Spotlight. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They, like, not only teed it up, but they were on a golf course. (laughs) Yeah. The transitions weren't particularly smooth. I felt like with Sharpay, it makes a little more sense because she is very much performing at every moment. She's, like, telling you her song is about to start. But I think that was part of the problem even in the beginning of the movie. It felt really unnatural when the song started. Some of the others are better, but even bet on it, they're kind of abrupt transitions. Eh. Yeah, I agree, but I also kind of don't care. (laughs) Sure. That's not a deal breaker. Yeah, it's a Disney Channel musical. That it is. So we have almost kiss number three. Oh, sorry. What did I skip? (laughs) Huh? What did I skip? Oh, you didn't skip anything. I just wanted to say it's funny because I actually like You're the Music and Me far more than I like Every Day. Every Day is okay, but it doesn't feel like a showstopper to me. Or as successful of a showstopper as the music in me. Yeah, I wouldn't disagree with that. I like Every Day a lot. It's another one of my favorites, but it is kind of more of like a sweeter song. And I think Mm. You Are the Music in Me is more showstopping. I would agree. I just want to throw out there that at one point, Ryan is radioing Sharpay as they conspire. And he says, Golden Throat, this is Jazz Square. It's so good. It's so good. Which are like the two best nicknames that have maybe ever happened, ever. Oh, okay. So I had Corbin Blue in the beginning, but then several times on my paper for the rest of the movie, it just said Ryan in all caps. Yeah. (laughs) Me too. That was was one of those moments. Just Ryan. So Troy gets kind of looped into an awkward dinner with Sharpay's family. And the whole time I'm just like, oh, you poor boy. The whole thing is just... So awkward. She's working her weird manipulation and pretty much tricks him into promising to be a part of musical number with her. Yeah. Like, guilts him into it. And then, 
oh god and then they showed us the musical number which was <laughs> cut from the original movie for very good reason yeah i don't know why disney plus felt they had to put it back in yeah but the song is called huma huma nuka nuka apua ah and it's terrible yeah it's also featuring sharpay and ryan and uh, they are very white and not of a Pacific Asian persuasion to be singing this song. That's interesting. I, to be completely honest, I hadn't thought about that aspect of releasing it now. That didn't really surprise me to exist in a movie made in that time. Right. Especially if Sharpay's family would not care. The Evanses right. would not care. Well, talk about privilege. Yeah, oh yeah, exactly. But it is something that Disney would probably be more aware of now. And so I had not thought about that in releasing it now when they are more aware is an odd choice. Right. Like why add that back in? Yeah, I don't know. Really the only redeeming things at all about the scene are just Troy's looks of horror while she's singing this ridiculous song and like making fish sounds around him. And then Ryan's rage dancing at the end as he realizes <laughs> that he's being replaced by Troy. Yeah, it was an odd scene, and it's long. Yeah, really, really long. (laughs) Very long. It's not just like, we're going to give you the idea and then break away. No, we're going to do a whole ass number. Well, what I found interesting, as you said, we had all watched this previously when you subjected me to all of the high school musicals. Subjected or lovingly shared? (laughs) Watching it this time, and this Numa Numa song that is not the one from the internet starts... And I looked over at Kate and went, what is going <laughs> on? I've seen this movie before and I have no idea. Now, again, I agree with Kate on this that Ryan at the end, I mean, he straight up turned into a Looney Tune with his straight out jaw and give me the layback. It was straight out of like a Bugs Bunny cartoon. Yeah, he's very theatrical. And that was a fun thing to see. So that happens. And then <laughs> we move forward. And then we get the thing that happens in, I feel like, almost every Disney Channel original movie at some point where the lead character gets a little caught up in himself and what's happening in his own life and yeah. kind of starts to alienate his friends. And like Susan, you and I have discussed before how much we hate the pointless fight that happens in the middle of every single romantic comedy just yes. so that the people can get back together at the end. Yeah. It kind of rings true tropey like that to me so now we have troy who is being served a burger by chad as he is schmoozing with sharpay's family and oh yeah that was hard to watch yeah troy basically sends the burger back and was like oh hey man i wanted swiss on my burger and just the look of betrayal on chad's face is just heartbreaking and you're like oh stop being a stupid little brat (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah and i think that Yeah, it's frustrating to watch because we care about them as characters. They did a pretty good job of conveying the slow creep of power and the creep of entitlement with Troy. I felt pretty good about that. That, you know, one day it's like, oh, I missed a date. And then the next day it's like, oh, I missed a date and lunch. And then it's, oh, I like kind of blew off my friends. And it escalates to this point where he really is completely alienated. I thought the build was pretty decent. Yeah, I agree. He definitely at first feels super guilty and feels really sad about what he's been doing and wants to fix it, but just slowly keeps digging a hole deeper and deeper. But while this is all happening with Troy, Ryan is having the opposite character growth. Mm -hmm. He is 
realizing how toxic Sharpay is, and he just wants to have fun and get along with everybody. And now Gabriella has invited him into the group, and he's going to direct a musical number for everybody, and they invite him to come play baseball with them. And then the best scene in the entire movie happens, in my humble opinion. It is so good. It's so good. So good. And I think I already said this. Ryan is my favorite character. Mm. I think Lucas Grabeel, Grabeel, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but he is, I think, by far the most talented of all the kids at this point, largely because he wasn't a kid. He was 23 when this was being yeah. filmed. But he is definitely the most mature performer, the best dancer, and he just really gets to shine in this movie and this scene specifically. So what's happening in the scene is that Ryan is trying to get Chad to dance in this musical number for this talent show. And Chad's like, no, 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 I don't dance. I'm not doing that. And Ryan's like, hey, if you can play baseball and swing a bat like this, then you can do what I'm doing with my feet and you can dance. But Chad has been singing and dancing for a musical and a half is my biggest issue with this whole plot point. Shh, what happens in the dance scene stays in the dance scene. (laughs) He is a sports bro. He really is. And he's always resisted dancing. Even in the first movie, he always resisted it. So they go back and forth. They do a lot of really, really awesome baseball-related choreography and just dance-off choreography. It's really, really impressive. There's a lot of gymnastics incorporated into it. It's just a legitimately really awesome scene. My emotional love for High School Musical aside, that would be great in any musical. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, musical theater major here. I would agree with you wholeheartedly. It was almost to a point of a showstopper, but it just kept you engaged. Yeah, and this was the second of the three songs I really wanted to point out for the choreography of how they handled it, because I think this is an example of outdoor choreography that they really nailed. What I think helped with that is that you had some ensemble sequences, you know, everybody out on the diamond or in the stands. But when you had an individual focused shot, first of all, there were people in the background moving, like even walking behind the diamond to create some visual interest back there. And they pulled in pretty tight on whoever it was. So it's usually either Ryan or Chad, but they pull in pretty tight on them so that there's a really nice focus to the to the framing of the shot and you're seeing their emotion and they're exchanging information. And so it's super engaging. Like it never feels like it lags to me. And I thought it was just top tier. Agreed. 100%. So after that glory, we now cut to Sharpay's musical rehearsal. She has hijacked You Are the Music and Me and had Kelsey speed it up just like she and Ryan did in the first movie. Troy is hating every second of it. My favorite thing, I actually laughed out loud at one point, I think, Troy's talking and you can see Kelsey just folded over her piano in the background looking like her soul (laughs) is slowly dying. Yeah, Which like you've kind of seen happen in the background throughout the movie. During all the scenes with Sharpay's family having dinner, Kelsey's in the background playing piano, trying not to fall asleep while she's playing this boring ass music. She's just like slowly (laughs) being sarcastic as fuck in the back. Yeah. And it makes me so happy. In that scene, if looks could kill, Sharpay would be on fire. Oh, yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Well, and it's interesting, just a couple of beats before that are when Sharpay takes the music from her. Again, this is kind of heading into deeper waters. Whoops, sorry. But <laughs> it was interesting, this kind of sense of entitlement that Sharpay has over like, well, I hired you and therefore I have rights to everything you create, which I think actually happens with artists in the industry all the time. Oh, yeah. It's like, no, nothing you write is yours. Even if you wrote it on your own time. Yeah, I've been under contracts where it says if you've created anything while you were working for us, it actually belongs to us. Yeah, I've heard of such contracts. I've had other friends say the same thing and it's kind of terrifying. So, you know, read your contracts, team. But I I felt like, yeah, understandably, Kelsey feels pressured into this. I expect and assume that she grew into a place as an artist later in her life where she could say, no, <laughs> get out of here. <laughs> I think she got there probably by the end of the third movie. Yeah. She kind of came into her own in the third one the way Ryan came into his own in the second one. Hmm. Yeah, I I haven't seen the third one in a while either. But now that you're saying that, yeah, I think you're right. So the next note that I have in my sheets is just all caps. What about us? Oh my God. (laughs) It's wild. Okay. So 2007 we said, right? So... 13 years and probably 20 viewings later, that song still makes me emotional. Really? That's awesome. Like, powerfully emotional. Especially that sequence as soon as they're on the bridge, starting with What About Us? She says, I'm going to leave, but I miss you. From, like, that whole breakdown in Bridge. Ugh. (laughs) Just feel a lot of feelings about it. (laughs) I mostly just feel a lot of affection for it because every time I hear that song, I think of you and I just periodically blurting it out at each other. <laughs> that probably has a lot to do All with throughout it. throughout college. <laughs> what about us? Yeah, that probably has a lot to do with it. Oh, but so in a scene prior to that, I was really pleased with how they developed Gabriella in this movie because... In High School Musical 1, and just kind of throughout the trilogy, I've always been a little bit under-impressed with her. To me, she seems very Mary Sue. She seems kind of flat. But watching this again, I have a lot more respect and compassion for her. She is profoundly kind. Like, the way that she not only welcomes Ryan in and includes him, but then honors him and encourages him as a friend with no ulterior motive is really beautiful. And then she, I forgot that she tells Sharpay to back off and I loved it. I was here for it. So I gotta say, I really, you know, Gabriella has really risen in my book. Yeah, I I think I agree with you. I was like you, especially the first movie. I was like, yeah, you're fine. I didn't really care about her that much, but I do like that she gets a little feistier in this movie. And like you said, she is just incredibly kind. She is just a super, super nice person. And I think not necessarily in a boring way. I think I took that as boring before, but I appreciate it a lot more now that I'm older. Yeah, me too. And I'll be curious to watch three again to see if I feel the same way, like she progressed more there or not. It flips the narrative a little bit. Anyway, this is not about High School Musical 3, but (laughs) big fan of Gabriella in this movie. Wait, there are other High School Musicals? Oh, don't worry. We'll make you watch them again. Yes, we will. So Troy and Gabrielle have broken up. They've had their big breakup song. And now Troy's got to sing his feelings, you guys. Yes! Is that what we're calling it? Yes. The song is bet on it. It's (laughs) It's <laughs> musically, I think, my favorite song in the movie. Like this. Oh, it's a banger. This song will never not get me hype up about life. He is going to run through the golf course, sing out his rage and his sadness. He's dressed in all black. 
I mean, he's just going full-blown footloose warehouse dance scene, which as I was watching it, I was like, oh my God, this is such an homage to Footloose. Hmm. But then at the end, when he's sprint running, I'm pretty sure he's doing the exact choreography from Footloose. Oh, interesting. Oh, that helps put it in context. There was a moment, I literally bust out laughing. There's a moment where he grabs some sand from the sand pit on the (laughs) golf course. And he does this weird... I'm a magician, here's some doves, but it's just sand and it falls out of his hands. What was the inspiration behind this move? Because that's all I could think. Yeah, so this is that third choreography thing I really wanted to talk about. I feel really bad for the choreographer and the director, and I don't know how, I don't know who made this decision. First of all, New Mexico is not really a forgiving landscape. It's stunning, it's beautiful, but it is not interesting on a, like, small scale. No. And so, like, they have nothing to work with in their environment. All the things they have to work with are low to the ground. There's no height, so that's a huge problem. He's dancing on a water feature at one point. Yeah. Yeah, well, and and I have, like, compassion because I'm like, what else is he supposed to do? There's very little to work with and the problem is that if you don't have anything to work with and you're in an enclosed space like a warehouse the warehouse is what you're working with that enclosure but when you're just on a field you have to go either really wide like sound of music style with your shots aerial shots i literally was thinking is he literally gonna throw up his hands and we're gonna do a sound of music shot yeah or you need to be like real tight in and they're always at this bizarre 30 foot length from him most of the time. I think it says a lot about Zac Efron that he can compel the camera for, I I felt compelled for about 50% of the song, which is incredible given what he had to work with. But like, you just have no energy because all of your motion is so small in the frame and he's just kind of dancing around, you know? Yeah, it is rough. And then he goes up to a pond and sings to his reflection and the CGI is so bad. It's so bad. I laughed so hard. Oh God, it's pretty terrible. It was was very boy band. You literally could have replaced Mufasa from The Lion King there or something. Just because it was so ridiculously CG. Yeah, it was a lot. Yeah, a major props to Zac Efron. I think he did it the best he could with with what he had. Oh, he's the one laughing all the way to the bank now. That's right. Yeah. And uh, I just want to make a PSA. If no one has seen the video where someone has synced the scene up to let it go. You beat me to it. I need you to go Google that right now. (laughs) Right now. Pause the (laughs) podcast. Go to YouTube. Find it. It is worth your time. It is so good. Better than Dark Side of the Moon and Wizard of Oz. It's so good. Wow. I actually haven't seen this. Oh my God. I'm going to have to... I can't pause the podcast. Uh, yes, to you go can. To yes, it, you but... can. We will edit it. Pa- <laughs> you Google it right now. Watch it, and we'll wait for you. Yeah, we will. Okay, that was. I will never be the same. <laughs> I told you. I hope the rest of the audience has gone and done that. Oh, Susan yeah. has just gone through it. Y'all, I it go do it. It was worth it. <laughs> I, that is absolutely insane. I. I'm still reeling. It was very good. Thank you for telling me about that. You are welcome. (laughs) So after Troy has sung out all of his feelings, he has realized that he's been acting like a douche and he needs to make things right. So he goes to the kitchen and he and Chad bro it out and they hug and it's great. Oh, he also has- Hold on. Before that scene, 
He and his dad have a talk. I was about to right? say, he he also has a heart-to-heart with his dad, which uh, Susan and I both have thoughts on. Okay. Oh, well, Bob, did you have something that you want to say first? I just was very taken aback by Troy's bedroom. Because not only has he hung up his jersey, but he has many pictures of himself throughout this room. And we're supposed to think that that's his bedroom. Like, I don't... Oh, interesting. I hadn't noticed that. Yeah, it was real weird. It was very narcissistic. It was very, I am a a shrine to myself. Yeah, because, yeah, typically you wouldn't have pictures of yourself in your own bedroom. That, yeah, very much would feel like someone else had decorated it. (laughs) It was weird. Huh. Yeah, so the scene, and, like, we were all kind of on video call while we were watching this. And so I looked over at Kate and I said, this is the scene from Brink. So for those of you who may not remember, Brink was also a made-for-TV Disney movie back, oh gosh, I guess the early aughts, um, maybe the late 90s. Yeah, I think we were in middle school. Yeah. So probably around 2000. Yeah, that would definitely make sense. And it is also about a teenage boy who is trying to find his identity. He's under a lot of pressure to earn money because his family needs it. Um, and he, you know, he's navigating whether or not he should be sponsored by a skateboarding company. And so he and his dad have this heart to heart where he's saying, I've alienated my friends. You know, I don't know what to do. I don't know what the right thing is. And his dad says, you're defined by the company you keep and how well you keep it. And I just, it really touches me to see these heartfelt discussions between parents and their kids in general in Disney movies because I think that it's just really meaningful and it was funny to see that this is basically the same scene. Stepping back as much as I'm making fun of everything with this I have to say I actually enjoyed the fact that it was the dad and him having an emotional talk yes. about important things instead yes. of it just being basketball is is important college is important like no they're taught you know really hashing it out really having an emotional conversation Hey, guess what? Men have emotions too, and it's okay. And showing kids that that is a thing is maybe the thing that will stop toxic masculinity from continuing in our society. Ah, Lord willing. Yeah, and and Brink was very much that way too, because the father in Brink is portrayed similarly to Troy's dad, where he's very kind of gruff. Well, Troy's dad really isn't gruff, but they're presented as kind of more classic masculinity. And then the turn is when they're addressing their sons and counseling them to be better. And then, yeah, I hadn't really thought about that. The fact that Troy is a star athlete, and yet he's very in touch with his feelings. He is artistic. He's friends with all the art kids. It really does break down a lot of those boundaries in a cool way. But Kate, what uh, what were your thoughts? I was going to say, I actually thought after that scene with him and his dad, and when he went to go see Chad, how humble he was and how openly affectionate he was. And they were towards each other. I was like, oh, yeah, this is a nice turn. And I actually thought the same thing about, man, I need more of this. And maybe toxic masculinity will fucking die finally. (laughs) It was just, it was a nice little scene. And very nice to not have, hey, we're cool, right? Yeah, okay, we're cool. Like, it was actually like a really tender, sweet moment. Yeah. We didn't have to punch it out. We didn't have to have a, a fight over it. Yeah, Zach is very obviously on the edge of tears. I mean, Troy per se, but Zac Efron does a great job of portraying that. He is distraught when he's talking to Chad. And that line, you know, brothers fight, but they're still brothers. Oh, my heart. Oh, my gosh. So good. So Troy makes up with Chad and they talk Troy into dancing with Sharpay, which was weird because then they kind of trick her and don't. Yeah, that was a weird turn. Although Troy didn't intend to do that. It was. Yeah, that's more Ryan's doing. So Ryan was like, 
hey, I know my sister's crazy, but I think you should still perform with her. So Troy's like, okay, I'll go perform with her. But then Brian decides to change the song and not tell Sharpay. So then she can't perform. I don't know. It almost feels know. like maybe there was a scene that got cut. Yes. I was thinking the same thing. Something. Yeah. Or a storyline change at the last minute. And they couldn't refilm. Yeah. It definitely brought back dirty dancing feelings of we're going to take over this show. And then everybody kind of flooded the stage. At least that's what I was picking up on it. Yeah. Troy goes out there and starts singing the song. Sharpay is standing off to the side because she doesn't know this song. And the song is a duet. And when the female portion starts singing, it's Gabrielle. And she's standing in a group of the workers behind the audience. And then they all kind of come up on stage and sing the big song together. And that song is Every Day. And it's a good one. We talked about it earlier. During the song, Troy actually grabs Sharpay and pulls her up on stage to join them, which I thought was nice. I didn't have much of note other than that. No, sorry. (laughs) I lost the tab. I, like, got a notification and I clicked over. And I lost the tab and I was like, I can't find it. I can't find it. (laughs) Sorry, I got to get my head back in the game now that I, because I panicked and I lost it. (laughs) You got to get your, get your head in the game. Get your, get your head in the game. I don't get that reference. It's from High School Musical 1. I haven't officially watched that according to Disney Plus Roulette. Oh, indeed. Okay, back on. The ending sequences for these movies always crack me up because the crowd, (laughs) the crowd is always like on their feet and they're dancing and singing and they're all so happy together. Like the audience. Yeah. And it is a feel good movie and it communicates that like, oh, everybody's feeling this vibe. But I'm trying to imagine an actual auditorium of people doing this. These people are all eating dinner and they get up and I just, it always (laughs) makes me laugh. It's fun, but. Uh, so here's the question. How did y'all feel about the handoff of Sharpay giving Ryan the award? I liked it. She did it very sweetly and not backhandedly at all. She seemed legitimately happy for him that he won. I just thought it was a little weird because I guess he won it for directing their little performance at the end. That they didn't do. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it just kind of felt like everybody just ran up on stage and started spinning in a circle. Yeah. So I thought rationally, I was like, well, would he really win? He wasn't even a lead singer for it. He just Okay, now it. who's pulling threads on a Disney movie? <laughs> well, listen, she asked me, so I'm answering. I'm playing. But I love Ryan, and so obviously I wanted him to get it. <laughs> yeah, what about you, Bob? As I said at the beginning, I think her turn is a little bit of a whiplash, but I think, as Kate said, she definitely, Ashley Tisdale, handles it as an actress, and you're right, it's not backhanded, it's actually a genuine moment for the the brother-sister duo. So, Ryan wins the Stardazzle Award, and they all go out onto the golf course at night and let lanterns go for some reason. Yeah. Okay, that effect was not good. Oh, yeah. Those lanterns looked way too heavy, and then the two that they released looked like they were on strings. Yeah. And then other people let their lanterns drop, and they just fall. fall. Yeah, they just, like, set them down on the ground. Yeah. (laughs) That's not how that works. Well, so I don't know if if you noticed this. Those lanterns were the centerpieces at the dinner tables. Oh, I didn't notice that. I didn't. They were. And so they try to introduce that when Sharpay's mom is setting the table and the different staff are kind of bringing flowers and taking flowers away. It's earlier. I do remember that scene. So the lanterns themselves appeared, but yeah, they were, it was never introduced past that. Maybe they were weighted down for the tables and then you could take the weight out. Who's to say? But it was not well executed. Also, don't release lanterns, people. They're terrible for the environment. 
So Troy and Gabriella let their lanterns go and they finally get their big romantic kiss. And then the sprinklers come on again, but this time it kind of turns into a uncomfortably sexy kiss for a Disney. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And then it peters out. So like, it's kind of the cameras just kind of lingering them awkwardly while they hug each other. Yeah. It's a little bit weird. So then you think it's the end of the movie, but no, we have one more dance sequence and that is all for one, which is basically just a big old pool party at the end of the movie. Yeah. Kind of their answer to we're all in this together from the first movie. I don't really have much to say other than this is the one where Miley Cyrus appears. It's just a fun little upbeat summer song. Yeah. There's like classic surfer guitar riffs happening. At the end, they all jump into the pool. <laughs> and we all laughed about this. Bob pointed out, he's like, obviously the director was like, just keep treading water. Just keep treading water. Keep just smiling. Cheer. Just keep cheering. Just cheer. And Woo. the camera is just on them for a awkwardly long amount Far of time. Far too long. Where they just keep trying to act like they're excited and just keep periodically cheering and screaming. And it's so awkward. Yeah. Gabriella is just like, yeah. Three, two, one. Yeah. Yeah. Woo. It's... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And just barely staying yeah, afloat. Yeah, so she's obviously struggling. <laughs> and didn't somebody say Zac Efron looks like he took a mouthful of water or something? Oh yeah, he spits out a giant mouthful of water. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot. And uh, that's how the movie ends. Yeah, and there's no rallying. Like, it just closes on them kind of awkwardly trying to stay afloat. (laughs) It really reminded me, and I'm going to show my age here, it really reminded me of the old Harvey Dangerfield, let's go get laid, house party. I don't know if anybody remembers those big 80s movies, and it just ends with a party scene. It really reminded me of that. I have no idea what you're talking about, but sure. Yeah, I am unfortunately not familiar with that, even though I know that it's pretty popular. Kind of a classic. Yeah. Okay, guys, so on a scale of one to five of Ryan's hats, how many hats would you give High School Musical to? Um, I mean, I think I'd... I think rewatching it now, I would give it four out of five hats. What about you, Bob? Ugh. Um, thinking where I've rated other things thus far, I'm gonna say that out of, if I were just to go watch Enjoyability, it would actually probably be a lower score. Probably like a two or a three for Mm -hmm. me. I have to say it comes in on a strong three just because of the choreography, the effort. You can see that they put a lot of effort into this. There's not a lot of musicals out there. I mean, since then there have been, but at this time to me, I think bringing back that musical genre kind of cemented this score for me. So I'm going to do a solid three. It's all right that you're wrong. It's fine. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I respect your opinion. I'm going to go with Susan and say a four. I think what I love about High School Musical is that it knows exactly what it is. Yeah. It is an homage to old school musicals. And it's not trying to be cool. It's not trying to be... Hold on, hold on. It's not trying to be cool? No. (laughs) No, it's not. Oh. They are very aware of what they're doing. I watched like five minutes of Teen Beach Party, which was like another musical they did that was inspired by old 60s beach musicals. Uh-huh. And it was horrendous because they could not nail down the tone that High School Musical manages to nail down. And I hmm. think Kenny Ortega is a really good musical director. He just knows how to direct a musical and he knows when to take yourself seriously and when not to. And I think High School Musical really manages to walk that line really well to the point where yeah, they're making a kid's movie, but it actually can be pretty watchable for adults as well. Yeah. I'd agree with you, except for rage singing, but that's mine. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'm going to say also a four. 
Now it's time to roll for next episode's film. So Susan, as our special guest, would you like to do the honors? I would. Five thirteen. Oh, uh, you guys! This is a movie I'm embarrassed to say I've never seen. Five thirteen on my list is Sister Act. Oh, I've also never seen. Oh, Sister wow! Act. I'm really excited. Yeah, it's a great movie. Boom! You're welcome. Thank you, buddy. <laughs> All right. Well, I hope uh, you guys will join us in two weeks for our next film review adventure of Sister Act. In the meantime, if you could give us a positive review and subscribe on iTunes, that would be very much appreciated. Follow us on Facebook at Disney Plus Roulette Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Disney Roulette and then on Instagram at Disney Roulette Pod. Or you can email us the old-fashioned way at Disney Roulette Podcast at gmail.com. Our website is Browse House Media, B-R-O-U-S-E, housemedia.com and if you'd like to support the podcast just scroll to the bottom and hit that donate button thank you to both of my co-hosts today susan it was super exciting having you on i will most definitely bring you back on again and thank you listeners for joining us and be careful out there you guys that girl's got more moves than an octopus in a wrestling match